Welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show. I'm Andrew Slavin. Signed up to a new deal just so Muddy Knees Media can demand big bucks for me to leave in the summer. This week we'll try and make this podcast about 80% football, 20% chumps. But the absolute chumps do keep forcing their way in. You'd have to be an idiot not to get excited about Jake Hasty or David Turnbull. Hearts keep their hopes of a European tour alive and St Johnston lose a keeper to love. The title race was dead on Friday and slightly reanimated on Saturday. Maybe it's not all over in League One either. Our broads slip up again, giving hope to teams like Forfa. Radio Clyde's Alison Conroy, a big fan of the Loons, joins us later on the podcast. Elsewhere in the SPFL, a Ross County returning to the Premiership. Plus, we've got news of a dreadful week for Clyde. Pat Nevin will be raging. Alongside me, two Scottish football fans who are not ruining Scottish football. From the Telegraph, it's JJ Bull, and from Copper 90, welcome Laura Brannan. Hello. Hello, Andrew. Hello, folks. How are you doing? Good All weekend. Right. What did yeah. you guys get up to? In the Bonnie Banks of Loch Lomond. Lovely. I was, yeah. Did you both go home this weekend? Yes. Yeah, I was back home. Here was me. And Bonnie Banks. Todd in London. I went to my first Queen of the South game in Yonks. It was quality. I mean, apart from. Queen's losing 2-0 to Inverness Caledonia and Thistle. Um, game good? It was a good it was a good game. It wasn't a good game. <laughs> it wasn't a good game. It was a good day. Um my dad actually sponsored the match ball, which was quality. Oh wow. Yeah, and actually the the <laughs> This is terrible, I probably shouldn't be saying it, but Queen of the South actually got it wrong. So my dad's company's kind of broken down into PTS. And it's definitely not professional plumbing solutions or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah, it was quite funny. Um, so I think my dad's got another free game out of that. <laughs> so when you sponsor the match ball, because obviously fans in the crowd can't see that, so does that mean the players come away thinking, God, I really need a plumber. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I know. It's, it, you just saw it on the team sheet. that. But the, your dad's not a plumber, though. No, no, he's not. He's not. Yeah. No, 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 he's not. I knew that. Uh, Palmerston's one of few Scottish grounds I've actually not been to yet oh really yeah I've played at Palmerston a couple of times nice. which is quality um, artificial surface as well just to throw that um, kind of hit the elder <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> but I had a really good weekend in Dumfries and I actually got my first um, recognition <laughs> Oh, yes. Someone stopped me in the pub and was like, "Are you actually Andrew Slavin?" Not from your face, though. This is this should be being clear. It was from a vo- yeah, from a voice. I just ordered a pint from one of the local boozers. You went, "Hello, <laughs> yeah, no. can I have a pint?" <laughs> Could you imagine how how weird would I be if that's just how I always said hello? But yeah, Martin DL, thanks a lot, mate, for all your support and cheers for all your lorry pals yeah, for tuning in. Well. No, but as for self, it was really it's such a weird thing. Like you someone who knows who you are and you've got no idea who they are. And, the thing and you're is, also it's like, like, you're known for your voice, not your face. So he's getting a selfie with you. It's well, even weird. It's, yeah, it's probably a good thing that not many people know who I really I'm gonna am. I'm going to pretend to be you from now on. Yeah. What you look like, yeah. Well, I put you up in Twitter because I got you some Scotch pies, didn't I? Oh, yes, thank you for my Scotch pies. I brought you some it's Scotch really pies nice. down, didn't I? I'm such a good friend. You are. It's really nice. Thank you. Do you bring the tight scones down as well? No, I make them from scratch. <laughs> <laughs> Rangers were pegged back by Hibernian on Friday night 1-1 in a dent to Steven Gerrard's title hopes. But the headlines were dominated by a pitch invader confronting Rangers captain James Tavernier. This follows a glass bottle being thrown at Scott Sinclair in the previous Hibs game. Gavin Wilson from the Hibs Talk podcast joins us now. Gavin, this isn't just a Hibs problem. We've seen two incidents in less than a week at Easter Road. So what's the feeling amongst the fans? I I think it's a lot of frustration. Um... Just obviously, it's it's not nice to see. We've obviously seen the instant um, you messaged me about coming on and speaking about this, and then there was the instant after that on the um, the Birmingham game yesterday as well. It's just it's it's not great to see things like this happening in football, and it puts a bad name on the support in general. Um, obviously, I'm kind of speaking on behalf of Hibs fans now, and I can tell that from all the Hibs fans I've spoke to, we're just almost upset and angry at the same time that. One fan, or, or well, multiple fans. These these small group of individuals could put such a bad name on, you know, what is overall what I believe a great support and the Hibs fans. 
Yeah, so, I mean, I, I came out after this game and said pretty much fair play to Leanne Dempster, um, who said to BT pretty much after the game as well, that nothing is off the table in terms of dealing with this. I mean, you as a fan, you wouldn't want to see a stand being closed, but is that just one of maybe a few things that could happen that you'd be willing to accept? Me personally, I, I, I'm with the, Leanne. I don't think you can rule anything out. Um, I've been, I mean, me and Dave are doing our podcast later on, and we can have different views on it because obviously there's, there's been talk of points deductions and stadium closures or stand closures. Or uh, to me, you can't rule anything out. And I think it's everybody's got to sit down. You know, uh, groups of fans, officials, players, ex-players, referees, and sort of have a discussion on what would be the best course of action, and not jump into anything before you know knowing that that's going to be the proper deterrent. But, um, yeah, I don't think you can rule anything out. I know that, that there's a lot of Hibs fans that, and, and fans in general that don't like the sound of that. They don't like the... And uh, there's probably arguments to be said why some of these things wouldn't work. Um, but I think there's got to be discussions uh, had about what's the best approach to stop these idiots from ruining the Scottish game and obviously just football in general because, like I said, it happened in England as well. But why should you be punished though, Gav? Why should you have to suffer a stand being closed or your team getting docked points? It wasn't you that personally did it and it's just one with two idiots. Yeah, um, exactly. I, I, I couldn't agree more. It's sort of like, I mean, I don't want to get miss games. It's going to be harder to do a podcast if, uh, <laughs> if I've not been at the game. You're just a fan who loves the game and it really yeah. it's so it's so frustrating when you because it's been so prominent in the press recently for just another thing to happen and add on to this it's beyond belief that we're still even talking about it so I'm going to stop talking about it let's talk about the football um, Paul Heckenbottom what have you thought about his impact so far? I've been really impressed uh, obviously with the exception of the Celtic game that, yeah. which was in the cup he's unbeaten in the league uh, five games four wins and a draw um, that he came in in Difficult circumstances, to say the least, and I think he's done really well. Um, but the thing that's impressed me the most is the fact that the St. Johnston game was the first half was a really bad performance, and we were sitting there at half time thinking, How are we going to turn this around? And we did, the second half came out and played completely different. So he's obviously said something at half time, and there's only minor adjustments to the, the tactics. And then, then again, at Rangers, you know, it wasn't working. Not long before half time, he's made a change and he's put Camberry out to the left, McNulty up on top on his own, and there seemed to be. A, and then at half time, he's got them in and spoke to them. Uh, him and Robbie Stockdale speak to them at half time, and there's been a massive change at second half. So knowing that that's two instances where they've turned the game around at half time with their team talks and slight tactic changes is really encouraging, uh, as well as obviously the positive record in the league. Have you seen a bit of improvement in players? Since Lennon's gone and Hingbottom's come in, has anyone kind of stepped up more now it's changed hands? Obviously, the, the main one that everyone's had eyes on has been Camberry, and I think there has been things that um, it looks like he's been working on things that he needed to work on in terms of like his touch and things like that. And um, his confidence seems to be back. He's got that bit of a swagger, like his goal against Dundee, where he shrugged off the defender and then just hit it with power, and the goalkeeper is not something we've seen since probably about October time last year or something. So it was great to see him back like that. There seems to be a bit more structure to the team and stuff. Great striking partnership at the moment. The only thing is obviously, which Heckenbottom can't really do anything about, is we're obviously struggling for numbers at the back mm. with Porteous out, Effie uh, leaving, not being able to get a defender in in January. Um, and now we've got McGregor suspended for the next game. So that's going to cause issues as well at the back pretty good for Canberry um, being his birthday and all getting an equaliser and that sort of game but now Gavin's gone it's definitely a foul on Tavernier I don't know I, I thought it's soft first, first look I didn't think it was I think the referee did well to play on um, the counter-attack wasn't very fast this is the weird thing yeah I, I, I yeah, continue no I know where you're going to so go like, I like watching games yeah well I like to do all my research and preparation I like to watch games at like two or three speeds so I can get through them so I can watch them all and then when I notice things like slowing down mm-hmm. but when you slow them down from three speed to one it seems like they're going so slow you're like oh you know when you go, you're driving at like 60 miles an hour and then you go to a little village town bit and it's 20 but like, this is I'm going backwards. I think just even when you come off the motorway, yeah, and you just hit, you go down to even forty mile an hour, and you're just like, what's going on? Well, exactly that with this, it just looks so slow. But it really is, it's not a very fast counter attack. And Rangers' fullbacks take forever to get back, and that's where they've got um, Goldson and Warrell are just left on their own with the space either side of them. Is how that goal comes in. 
because they don't have the fullbacks next to them. The midfield doesn't track them, and so Canberra can turn up to tap in. I think you, you're right to kind of give a bit of leniency to the referee because when it is in real time like that, it's, as much as it's still a foul, you can understand and totally appreciate that Rangers fans and Steven Gerrard are fair to in their assessment that it should have been a foul. It looks like it could be a foul. This is the difficult thing. I mean, I just want to see what a referee says. I'm not a referee. I don't. I mean, I don't know anything about the rules clearly this year. <laughs> not I think what referees think. Yeah, well, I think it reverts back to what I'm always saying: is let's just kind of man up and go on with it. Like, so what? He barges into him a wee bit. It's soft. Just go on with it. Well, if you leave it to the matter of that, Rangers had enough players to defend that opportunity. Then yeah, hey-ho, and also, hey-ho. It's, I mean. That's all well said and done, Laura, but that decision, if it was a foul, has just cost them the move that they let in the goal. They had ample time to get back and defend it, yeah, but, but it's still, that's the decision. For every decision made, and you can go, oh, well, that decision led to throwing, and that decision Tiny then led margins, to... Tiny margins, Yeah, it's like yeah. sliding doors. Yeah. Like, this, this obviously was a, a little dent in... Rangers title aspirations Dent, they lost it ages ago <laughs> yeah well, this is, well I, I tend to agree with you but at the same point Rangers want to finish strong and, and drawing 1-1 yeah. with, with Hibernian with the managerial change and everything like that is yeah. a little bit disappointing but positive news for Rangers Alfredo Morelos signing a new contract um, on Friday until 2023 his second contract extension of the season <laughs> which is in no way had a massive minimum hold on I'm just going to go back a second here since when was Rangers' title challenge over? Uh, they dropped points on Friday night, but Celtic then dropped points 24 hours later. It's still eight points in it, and there's still six points mm-hmm. between the old from games. Yeah, I suppose you still got two two Celtic Rangers games to come in the season. Yeah, and expect, so. considering they're both dropping points to teams around them right now on the table, nothing's off the cards. Anyway, carry on. I like that positivity, Laura. <laughs> Fair play to you. So, yeah, Alfredo Morella signed a new contract with Rangers, so he, he will be... Finishing up in 2023, not. Uh, his, his statement read, I want to score many more goals for Rangers before this season ends. So that, you know, he's pretty much admitted. Wow. He kind of came out and spoke to a Colombian press dude um, saying, you know, I'm look, I've am i had offers from England and elsewhere. He, can't, he wants to go. He's Rangers' best player. It's either going to have a massive minimum fee release clause in it or it's going to be that they can get maximum value for him when they sell him to someone quite big. He could play... Anyone Brusty Dortmund have heard are a little bit interested? 20 million euros? Why euros? <laughs> <laughs> oh, continental now, I see. Well, yep. Yeah, he might go stop, after Brexit. Stop, so not Brexit, yeah. Uh, yeah, 20 million euros because I don't expect him to go to England. You've been a wee bit sceptical here. Who, me? It's just, you know, pulling apart his, um, his quotes on the website saying, oh, he only wants to stay till the end of the season. Look, he says... I want to score many more goals for Rangers before this season ends. And then he'll start again next season. Oh, Christ <laughs> almighty. Obviously. <laughs> well, you're very hopeful today. I like it. Uh, this is Rangers' 50th game of the season. You think after all that time that Stephen Gerrard would know how to be a bit more consistent with his players then, wouldn't you? Uh, his pl- yeah, his players are really inconsistent. And I don't know if it's his fault. I think they don't turn up with the... It's Gerrard's responsibility to get them G'd up to be right up for the game. But... They dominated that first half. I thought Hibs were uh, the shape was wrong, and they were letting them down the channels, and then they were trying to cover that, which left them with too much space in the middle, so they're getting played to the middle by Rangers. But they didn't really threaten that much Rangers at all. They've got better players, but they're still not playing like they do. I mean, and the league table says exactly where they should be is where they are. Mm-hmm. But second half, um, like Gav was saying, they, they changed it and he changed the shape. I think it's more more of a four three three rather than like a diamond, a diamond in, in the midfield. Middle, yeah. Maybe a four-five-one in defence, but it it really helped with um, with tracking people as they got a counter-attack goal. But Gerard keeps having this most weeks. Where he keeps having to say that they're not doing the right things. They're not the right mentality for a Rangers player. I guess he's right. It just takes a while to to build that. Well, there's, the fact of the matter is Rangers have improved this season. There's no two ways about it. Yes, but. They're going to struggle next season if they can't find a replacement for Morelos if he leaves in the summer. All their chances seem to be created by attacking down the channels, an overlapping fullback joins in, they wait for that, and then that ball comes in from wide and Morelos tries to score. That's mostly it. You're listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. For the first time this season, Celtic failed to win a home game in the Premiership. Their 100% record ending as they drew 0-0 with Aberdeen at Celtic Park. Neil Lennon's homecoming spoiled. Incredibly, it's the first goalless draw between these two teams since Boxing Day, 1994. So that's a run of 94 games in all competitions. 
That's madness. That's, That's crazy. A lot of games between Celtic and Aberdeen. That's at least ninety-four games. No wonder I didn't want to see them play each other again in the Scottish Cup final. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Lennon said after this game that Celtic players themselves psychologically fatigued. Um, I-, I thought by this time we wouldn't be speaking about Brendan Rodgers in the podcast, but yeah. That's a terrible excuse. It's it's a bit it's weak, isn't it? It's I mean, they went it. out. They beat Hearts. They beat Hibs. It's been two weeks now. They've got very strong leaders in Lennon and Scott Brown. But they've There's... came home now. They've came home now and they've realised Dad's not there. So they're like thinking, oh, no, I think that's no, no, Dad. Yeah. The, the, the fans are still probably got some sort of ball of rage that they're festering within themselves. I mean, I don't know, was there another banner this week having a dig at them? Because it wouldn't surprise me if there was. But see one. the players themselves... Surely, I mean, these are professional footballers. Managers get sacked all the time and this is not going to affect them three games on. Aberdeen were excellent in this game. Uh, Celtic, you know, the psychological fatigue thing's odd. You want to try and find a, a way to deflect from the result if you're managing a team like Celtic straight away. So that that's, makes absolute sense. I don't know if, it's, if they seem psychologically fatigued. It's just that they were matched man-to-man by a very good side. Mm. Aberdeen are so good away this season. And especially recently. So McInnes had a real problem with his, his team lineup. It was loads of injuries. So we've had a totally new team as well. Um, he played it's effectively a 4 1 4 1. I'll get the nerdy bit quite quick. But it, it was a 5 4 1 defensive phases because you had Ball, Considine, and McKenna down the back. But when they were going forward, they had a, a man would step forward into the midfield, and it was normally McKenna or Considine who would follow the Celtic player who dropped to pick up the ball. Yeah. So they didn't really have a way to get to get out. Mm-hmm. And Celtic didn't really create chances until the final bit, and they should have scored maybe one or two. But Aberdeen could have scored one or two in the end of that game as well. It was a really, really good match, evenly matched teams. Like it was fair. So from what fair. from what I saw, James Horace was playing a lot more centrally than he normally does. And Celtic had a few changes themselves. So Lustig didn't play right back. Toyan came in. Yeah. And Lennon dropped Edward and put Burke back up front. Who started when he joined Celtic? He started up front, but he's not really a a recognised centre forward no he's more of a winger but he's built like a striker you want power and pace against uh, McKenna mm. because that's you know that's where you can take them on and, and Ball is Ball can be a bit of a nightmare at right back but he's been superb the last couple of games I've seen him play uh, Ewan Henderson started in this game as well Scott Sinclair didn't really do too much McInnes' team, he had Corn McLennan, young boy, in the, on the left. Shinny was playing like a, an extra centre-forward at times. You had Cosgrove ahead of James Wilson, who was a striker, but was playing in centre midfield. Lewis Ferguson's a really young team. At one point, you had Dean Campbell and uh, Ethan Ross were on the pitch. And they are, it's such a young team. And McInnes didn't really used to have these young players in. I mean, they're all like 19, 22. I mean, I think McLennan's something like 19. Max Lowe is young. McKenna's about 22, I think. Uh, Lewis Ferguson's 19 I might be wrong with that one uh, Wilson's not that old but Cosgrove's young as well it's a good team he's built there mm-hmm. especially against the players you've got in the Celtic team but they, there is that sort of like you said it's like dad's not home <laughs> <laughs> I totally get it you can yeah. sort of see there's a vulnerability about it and for uh, if Aberdeen because they're playing Rangers in the cup uh, quarter on Tuesday night I think it is isn't yeah. it yeah. yeah so if they were to beat Rangers, whoever beats who in that game, actually, I think you're more likely to beat Celtic in a semi than you are a final because it's not just the big one-off event. It feels like more as part of the season. For sure. And yeah. that's that's yeah. when the teams like that can lower the level enough that a weaker team can beat them. Like Aberdeen didn't beat them, but they absolutely matched them in this game. Is it more like a like man-for-man? It's man-for-man marking, yeah. yeah. That's why you have either McKenna or Constantine stepping into midfield. You're like, what the hell is he doing there? But it's because Celtic, to try and get in the ball, because there's a block in front of them, yeah. would drop in a forward short. And something that was different about Celtic from previous weeks is, you know, you have Scott Brown and Nier Beaton who just set almost next to each other there's two defensive line midfielders rather than having the obviously Lennon was trying to utilise Ewan Henderson mm. but he'd normally have the likes of Ryan Christie or Tom Rogic who's back in training actually this week so those are players who have always been quite important in big games against your Aberdeens or your Rangers because they can get behind that line and create a little bit of chaos so maybe that's just what Celtic are missing is those important key players especially Rogic as well because against Aberdeen he's so powerful Pivotal, um, he's the one that's scoring in the last minute against them when mm-hmm. it's yeah. it looks like it's going for a draw. He's the one that's making a difference. He scored a lot of goals against Aberdeen throughout the years. 
So to have someone like that back will be big for them going into the kind of business end of the season. But there is that question of who does he dislodge? There's one last thing I want to say Easily. about this game before we uh, move on to someone else. And it's on Brodgers again. But you see, in his uh, <laughs> there's a match of the day journalist, I think it was, he said, when he did his post-match interview, or pre-match, which one of the two, with Rodgers at Leicester, Brendan came up to him and said, oh yeah, what's the Celtic score? There's no way <laughs> he's ever done that before with any other kind of team. <laughs> yeah. Does that actually happen? He's on full-time PR mode. He's just desperate not to, not oh, to be hated really by the Celtic fan. Yeah, because he, he does support them. It must just be gutting. Was this, Whoops. Was, this <laughs> was this like kind of off mic as well kind of thing? Or? Yeah. But like, so it was still recorded. Like, oh, oh, don't, oh, don't tweet it. Oh, no, don't tweet it. <laughs> yeah, all right. Listeners, we are Scottish and we love beer. We especially love craft beer, don't we? Yes. <laughs> so it's bloody good news that once again we are sponsored by Edinburgh's very own Beer 52, who want to give all of you lovely listeners to the Totally Scottish Football Show a free case of craft beer, which this month is themed around rugby's Six Nations. Wrong sport, yeah. right drink. <laughs> yeah. Beer 52 is a lot. I'm just thinking, yeah, we're not really that good at Six Nations either, so we need beer. Beer 52 is the largest craft beer on the planet. They search out exclusively small batch booze from the world's greatest breweries and bring them back for their members. Right now, they're offering up a selection of light and dark beers like England's Five Point Juicy Pale Ale. I've had that. It's actually really nice. Can confirm. It's very good. Yeah, Yeah, it's actually really, really nice. Italy's Ora Incredible IPA and Ireland's White Hag Session IPA. (laughs) I like the name. If that all sounds like your type of thing, sign up now at beer52.com slash scottish and you'll get eight craft beers, some delicious bar snacks, and probably best of all, Beer 52's award-winning magazine, Ferment. The magazine is good, but the beers are better. All you have to do is pay five ninety-five for delivery, and if you decide that after this free taster that the club isn't for you, there's no catch. You can leave Beer 52 at any time, which is class. It's a good deal. Uh, just head to beer52.com slash scottish and enter the offer code scottish to claim your free case today. That's beer52.com slash scottish. Don't forget the two T's. Hasty, leaving Sowa in his tracks. And a dangerous ball in which ends up at the feet of Turnbull deflected. And Jake Hasty scores the third goal of the game. It's derby over already. Motherwell 3, Hamilton 0 in the Lanarkshire Derby. Don't know why I had to say it like that. Um, <laughs> Let's go with it. So after Ajax ran riot against Real Madrid in the Champions League, Barry Anderson of the Scotsman tweeted, saying he'd love a club in Scotland to take the Ajax approach, investing in top youth coaches, developing and promoting young players as well. The official Hamilton Twitter account replied, Hand up. Eh, uh, Hello. Just we, we they do, can't see we you waving all the time <laughs> on the podcast. No, but I like if I if I do the motion and the action, then I feel like I'm giving the energy as well. I think it comes across. Um, so our Hamilton Ajax <laughs> is Lewis no. Ferguson, Frankie De Jong. Yes. No. But in the level that we're no. we're talking about, this is just we're not we're not no. saying Laura <laughs> Hamilton are going to absolutely yeah, hammer Real Madrid. This up, is yeah. just someone in social media being a bit too busy for their own good. I mean, come on, the team are fighting relegation. They're not the Ajax of Scottish football. They're they're not even the Ajax of Lanarkshire. But that's not, they don't mean they're winning stuff. They mean that they produce loads of players. No, they, they, yeah, but it's they don't, though. This is the thing. I mean, even Mullow are producing more youth players right now. And their their youth players were the ones that destroyed them in the derby on Saturday. Oh, All right. so Motherwell saying... Ajax. <laughs> yeah, our Motherwell then the Ajax. Okay, then we'll just uh, spoke full Who the hell is Ajax? <laughs> Are St Mirren Ajax? No, Aberdeen had about five young so players on the pitch. Are they Ajax? I... Are St Johnston Ajax, JJ? <laughs> no. I feel like the original tweet was a bit ridiculous as well. I mean, does investing in young coaches and promoting young players, is that what makes you Ajax? I mean, half yeah, of Scottish but... football have to do that because no, but, of finances. No, but youth players, Hamilton, have definitely produced. Oh, come on. Are we still living off the glory days of James MacArthur and James McCarthy? No, I think... That, that, that no, you look at Lewis Ferguson or Greg Doherty, who's doing a great job at, at Shrewsbury. Oh, come on. Yeah, he's, and he's been doing a really good job at Shrewsbury. It's Shrewsbury. That's nothing to shout about. Well, 
know. I mean, no, I mean, Gerard like McCarth- doesn't fancy him at the moment, but he might. He no, might come MacArthur back. and McCarthy. He's, he's only twenty-one still. As well. I put into this context, right? Hamilton have no money. They do, they can't buy anyone. They're pretty awful, but they seem to manage to survive in the Premiership because they trust in the youth that they have, and they put loads of development behind it, and they bring up young players to do it. So. I, Obviously, they're not Ajax, but their model is based on bringing through youth because it's the only way they can do it. Mm-hmm. And Motherwell have got good players coming through as a good crop. But it's all about getting like a good generation of players. Ajax haven't produced players for a long time either, but it's still the no, whole point of it is that they put it in there so they can sell them on for profit. But I feel like this is what a lot of Scottish clubs do because they don't have any other choice. Absolutely it is, yeah. Yeah, so I don't think... Hamilton aren't alone in being proud of that fact that they, they manage this. And also, I think they need to be producing more because a lot of clubs across Scottish football produce a lot of good young players that went on and did things on a bigger scale, and Hamilton have not done it for a long time. But, but, but basically, a big issue for a lot of people in Scotland is when some of these clubs produce really good players. Let's take Jake Hasty, for instance, who for the first half of the season was on loan at Alloa, came back to Motherwell, and has been phenomenal. 19 years old, now he's being linked with Rangers. So a young, up-and-coming, exciting footballer being linked to one of the two biggest teams in Scotland. It's happening all over again, yeah. It's a natural comparison, isn't it? As soon as you see a young player doing well, which which half of the old firm are we going to link him with? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's only played, what is it, eight games? Well, that's basically, the if we're going to stay on this kind of Ajax model, Ajax are a club who can hold on to these young players because these young players know that they will stay to a level and get opportunities at a really competitive level in Europe. So they can stay and they can trust their environment that they're in. But that's why these t- these players also go to the likes of Celtic and Rangers because there'll be potentially better facilities and you'll be surrounded by better players. Players like Hasty, you, you see it often when players leave Scottish clubs, they just break through and then they go because they think they're going to make it. Mm-hmm. They have the belief in themselves that they're going to and the best players have to have that. But loads of them get lost in lower league England among coaches, the general theory is that before you're about 18, the most important thing is coaching and is getting coached and learning the, your position and learning the game. And then from 18 onwards, the most important thing you can possibly do is play. The more times you play, the better player you tend to be. And you look at players who peak Real Madrid's Champions League winning team, all of them were playing uh, like regular first-team football at Champions League level by the time they were 21 is the oldest, but generally it's about 18, 19. Mm-hmm. But they were first-team players at the first club when they were about 17, 18. That's the age you've got to be. Yeah. If Hasty goes to Rangers, he's a good player, he goes to Rangers, he doesn't get in the team. And then he doesn't play. He just comes in as a sub and he's developing and he never fulfills the potential he had. Players basically, they always said that they have potential between the ages of like 18 and 24 and then suddenly there's just real players. But I don't think they actually really get that much better. All that happens is that they have slightly more game experience so they recognise situations and patterns in play so they know how to deal with them a bit better. That's mm-hmm. bit it. Their ability doesn't change and they lose physical attributes too. So, so Laura, this- you, you, you're, you're involved in Motherwell, to be fair. And David Turnbull was another young player He's that's came ace. through who who has signed a contract extension. And there's a little bit of scepticism from my point looking at that deal and thinking that, well, maybe he signed a contract similar to Morelos in a way that can up his transfer value. Do you think the likes of Turnbull and Hasty will actually stay at Motherwell and, and develop their careers? The timing of Jake Hasty's contract coming to an end, coupled with him breaking into the team, it's very unfortunate. Because there is that question of, is it too soon? That's what JJ's saying. If he had another six months left in his contract, I think it would be perfect for him to really cement his place in the side and play week in, week out. And that would be great for him. Is it too soon? He has only played eight Premiership games so far. If Motherwell were to offer him maybe a one-year contract, would that help him stay for one more season and develop himself? Which is maybe what Turnbull will do as well. Mm-hmm. The other thing as well is, right, they might not actually, they're, they're good now and they're they're doing well in this league, but they're not stars of the league yet, Turnbull or Hasty. They're, they're just, they're really exciting prospects. Exactly, but they're... Premiership they're, player of the month, I mean, they're good Jake players, but they're, yeah, but they're not, um, like, I don't... I, I don't think I'd be able to put them in... I, I don't think they're amazing. I think they're very good players. I think Turnbull's ace and he. I think he will be a good player. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he's going to be a world changer. No, I feel You see, but if if you lose your chance to go to a club where you get paid lots more and you raise your profile, see, you often see, like, we often say things about Tony Watt. Well, Tony Watt, it's important he gets on all cylinders firing. But he's not really done anything apart from scoring that goal at Celtic. Because he has a reputation, he's worth more and he can probably get bigger contracts from it. But that's the thing. Tony Watt's struggled ever since leaving Celtic to find his level. 
In fact, he's even struggled at Celtic to find his level because well, no one really yeah. knows whereabouts. Exactly. He did so, so take well. the money while yeah. you can. There's another way to look at well, it. Well, right? there is that. But yeah. then, if you throw Jake Casey into a Ranger squad and it's not his level, we don't really know what his level is because he's only really been tested in a handful of games at Motherwell's stage, at Motherwell's level. So he's going to potentially spend his career like Tony Watt going up and down and go, oh, that's a wee bit, like trying to get the, the, the temperature of the water right. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a, a kind of fear there in terms of his career if he moves too soon. That's a lovely analogy. So, so <laughs> Hamilton won 2-0 at Aberdeen last time out and Brian Rice called um, the first half against Motherwell unacceptable. Didn't win their headers didn't win their second balls. It was a uh, Hamilton just went back to their old selves. They're just bit. not it, that Aberdeen win was just an anomaly. It's something that will happen. There, there's a reason that Martin Canning always played them in a five four one and four five one. You got to block the channels. You have got to flood the midfield and block the middle of the pitch because they don't have it really in them. Again, it, the shape seemed to change a wee bit through this. It seemed like a four three three at times, maybe a a four four two diamond or something like that. Whichever it was. Motherwell just going down the channels every single time. Always down the left. There's a, a, a boy who I've not seen much of, uh, Kaboli Aryibi. He's a winger. Yeah, well from Nottingham Forest. Yeah, he's like a winger. Um, he's American. Didn't know that either. Yeah. Uh, he is rapid, really good close uh, ball control, able to go past people, sells him a shoulder dummy and just goes. And that was happening again and again and again. But people weren't doubling up. It seemed as though, they'd, he said, uh, Rice said they'd been doing it in training. They were coaching this during the week and then he'd just forgotten it in the game. But, you can't just learn something in a week like that. You can see exactly where Brian Rice is so furious, but good players understand positioning really well naturally, and Hamilton don't have... I don't mean to be really harsh on Hamilton, but they clearly don't have great players. They can be a good team, mm-hmm. but if they're not coached to play in a certain way, and that's the way that Canning had them playing, then they surely lost loads of games. That's because they don't have great players. So the team is far outperforming as a unit what the individual players are probably capable of, I'd say. Well, let's uh, take a gander around the grounds then with Neil White, who has the latest from the Championship League 1 and 2. And all of a sudden, we have an eight-point gap at the top of the Championship. It was a huge weekend for Ross County. They notched up their fifth consecutive win and both of the nearest challengers lost. Not only has that made the Dingwall Club odds-on to claim the title and automatic promotion, it's opened up the playoff race and raised the possibility that Air United's fairy tale season could end in grisly fashion. Let's start on Friday night, live on the new and wildly inconsistent BBC Scotland channel, Falkirk beat Air 2-0. They remain unbeaten in 2019. Jordan McGee, their captain, scored two from right back, announcing on Twitter that it was his first and last career double. Ross County tucked Morton away with a 2-0 win in Dingwall. After defeat by Inverness in the Cup, Dundee United made a bunch of changes for their trip to Partick Thistle, who started the weekend in last position. Partick led early through Scott McDonald, who presented the coverage of Falkirk vs Air on Friday night, but United were level through a Nicky Clark free kick. Then it kicked off. United were denied a penalty when it looked like Jamie Robson was taken down in the box. Then Thistle's 17-year-old winger Aidan Fitzpatrick scored a last-minute goal. Then United's Pavel Safranco had an injury time strike ruled out for offside. End result, Thistle win and are out of the basement. United lose and are looking at the playoffs. But who will join them? How about Dunfermline? They won again, 1-0 at Alawahugo Bottom. That's Dunfermline's fifth consecutive win. And in those five games, they have conceded a total of zero goals. Bruce Anderson on loan from Aberdeen scored again. Dunfermline are in the last playoff spot, but have played one game more than anyone around them. League One and runaway leaders Arbroath lost at home to the bottom club, Stennis Muir. So what's the point of league tables anyway? Arbroath's back-to-back losses account for 50% of their defeats for the entire league season. But it's a huge win for Stenny, who are now one point behind Brecon in ninth and two away from Stranra, safe for now in eighth. Brecon blew a 2-0 lead to end up with a point at home to Forfa. Stranra lost two goals in the last four minutes in a 3-1 defeat at East Fife, and the relegation picture in League One remains compelling. League Two, and let's start at the top. Peterhead made it six wins in a row, coming back to win 2-1 at home to inform Annan. Edinburgh City are five back. They beat Queen's Park, who played the last 32 minutes with 10 men. But what a week for Clyde. They were found guilty of fielding an ineligible player in two league matches 
last month. Declan Fitzpatrick had been loaned to Clyde Bank and wasn't registered back at Clyde before the deadline passed. Fitzpatrick then played in a 1-0 win over Albion Rovers and a 1-1 draw with Queen's Park. Both those fixtures have now been awarded as 3-0 wins for the opposing team. On the same day that that penalty was handed down, Clyde lost 2-1 at Elgin and can now forget about their title shot, although they remain almost certain to make the playoffs. And as a consequence of that disciplinary decision by the SPFL and a shot 1-0 win at Sterling Albion on Saturday, Albion Rovers ended the weekend with 200% more wins than they had on Friday night. On the subject of the SPFL, um, Gary Bolin was involved in an altercation with Berwick boss Johnny Harvey and according to Berwick's Twitter account, Bolin had a unique insult for him, JJ. Yes, he told him to take his face for a sh- <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard this before. It's like there's an insult there he's supposed to say, but like when I do my links and I try to change it up and I screw it up and then I say something I'm really not meant to say. But there's levels to it <laughs> because he's saying his face is an arse. I mean, it, but he's just not saying that. Yeah. In a football game, why are you insulting the other guy's face? It's like, oh yeah, well, your face... You cannot take your face for one of those things. <laughs> it's really weird, but um, I like it. And uh, like you've got another story for us, JJ, as well, yeah? Yes. Did you um, not happen to see the chap, John Cox? He's a, he's a YouTuber called Loki Doki. And uh, he got flown over, I think he's from Northern Ireland. He plays football manager on YouTube. That's what he does. Right. And there's not any real huge ones of those. Kids watch it. I'm just looking like, what? What is this? I get FIFA. I'm but... not doing it. It's kids are doing it, right? right? And uh, so he's <laughs> he's not a kid. He's a grown man, and so, but he did a, a save on one of his um, one of his his channels, whatever. And uh, he's got forty thousand subs. It's quite good on YouTube. And he did a, a save where he's Fort William, and I believe he's done quite well with him. I don't know if he's won the Champions League with Aberdeen like I did, but he's done quite well with Fort William. And it's become a thing where people really enjoyed it, and Fort William really got behind it. And then BBC were doing a wee film, and he raised money. I think he says between three and five grand, I think he said he raised. Went over to meet them. The game didn't go to plan on the weekend, because it was suspended. Oh, no way. Which kind of sucks. But uh, I think he had a good time because he said thank you to Fort William on Twitter. I assume in real life as well. They're not just <laughs> online. He's not fully digitalised himself. That's correct. And they said thank you back to him for coming. I'd love to go and see Fort William. They should have given him like, the manager's post for a day. <laughs> well, that's not a bad idea because he plays the game a lot and he's yeah, good exactly. at it. Well, he must know the players inside out. I, I mean, yeah, to be clear, anyone who's listened to this, I don't think for a second football manager means you're good at <laughs> managing. But it does help you understand... Um, Analysis and coaching stuff. Our both looked to have top spot in League One locked down, but have now lost two games in a row, seeing their lead cut to 12 points. If they're to perform one of the biggest bottle jobs of all time, Forfar Athletic will be one of the sides looking to take advantage. We're delighted to be joined now by Radio Clyde's Alison Conroy, a lifelong Forfar fan. Alison, where did it all begin with you and the Loons? I went to my first game when I was four because my dad used to go to all the games. So I pestered him. I wanted to go. And I went to East Stirlingshire against Forfar Athletic. We won 2-1 and that was it. And you can't change your team. Your first game, we won and I stuck with it. Obviously, I'm a football journalist, so most Saturdays I'm at other games. But I am hosting their ladies' dinner at the end of this month, so it'll be good to go back up and it's uh, they play our broth the next day, so I'm hoping that I can maybe hang around and go to that because I think that'll be an absolute cracker. Smashing. Listen, so Jim Weir's been in charge for just under 18 months. Forfa were bottom of League One when he took over. Now you're in the playoffs. What's What's happened? What's the magic? He's just done some. I mean, Gary Boland was obviously in charge before that and the... He didn't get the results that we wanted. The fans weren't behind him. Jim came in. It wasn't, you know, the dream start. It was a few a kind of patchy start. And then he started to build. He's brought in some good players. We've got some good scorers in the team this season as well. We, John Beard and Dale Hilson. I don't think we could do without them this season. They've really, really helped us. I mean, John Beard's on 14 goals this season. It's so not it's bad for your assistant brilliant. manager, is it? <laughs> <laughs> but I know what it's like when we get to uh, playoffs. So I'm not getting too carried away quite yet. 
They came from behind as well on Saturday, didn't you? So it was quite good to... Yeah, I'm absolutely delighted because Brechin, when you look at it on paper, you think, well, Forfar should absolutely win that game because Brechin are down the other end of the table. But you know what it's like? It's not always like that. So to come from behind to get even a point, I mean, we went down to, to third in the table, but we are only that one point behind Wraith. And you look at it and you think we would have to absolutely blow it to not get a playoff place this season. So I think we're set for that. Do you think Forfar are ready to, to take a step up to the Championship? It's a tough one because they are, we are a part-time team in the finance there. And you, you look at other teams that are in the Championship that are part-time, they don't have the funds and it is very, very difficult. But for Forfar, you want to go up, you want to be there, you want to have a chance, you want to give it a go. And that's all we want. We, we nearly did it a few seasons ago and then blew it against Alawa in the playoff final, the second leg. But I think we're 3-1 three, three up from the first leg and then lost 3-0 and Rab Douglas had a Seville and threw it in at the back <laughs> of the net. <laughs> Still haunts me. Listen, it's a funny one for me sometimes because I think, um, you know, if, say for instance, Queen of the South were to move up into the Premiership and then just really struggle winning very few games, it's hard as a fan to see your team do that whereas if you're in a division that maybe suits your level and you just have a really good fun season do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get that I mean, I suppose you only have to look at breaking Yeah Which are an exact example of that when up couldn't win a game and it is it's so destroying at times but the other part of you is the dreamer and wants to go up and wants to see what could happen you think, well, why couldn't we get a few results and even stay up for a, for a few seasons we all know it's about finance and the players that you can bring in but We've got to dream. We can't just be happy to sit in League One for the rest of the, the time, can we? June plays it in, touched on by Claire. Players all over the deck. Dundee struggling to clear it. D misses it. And Sean Clare scores. Hearts are still in the hunt for European football after a hard-fought three points at Dundee on Saturday. Sean Clare with one of the menciest goals of the season. Do you agree? A good old Scottish Stramash. It was, yeah, Stramash was a word I wanted to fit in this podcast. Well done, Laura. <laughs> I call it a Rami. A Rami's a good one. Yeah. I just call it Mincy. It's just tons of guys throwing themselves at each other, boots flying everywhere, studs scraping against each other, and the ball breaks, and Sean Clare's just there for a wee toe poke into the back of the net. Ah, toe poke and a nutmeg. Oh, listen, I love a toe poke. <laughs> no, I think this is definitely one for Daryl D to forget as well. His attempt to clearing this is just pure comedy. I mean, they're all falling over in the box. Yeah, yeah there's about five of them in there. Kind of so hard. Yeah. Picking, picking out Dan O'Dea of about seven yeah, dudes is he's a bit the harsh. one that tries to take a proper swipe at it. And <laughs> I, what, did but he, he just, just panic. You're just like, get just... rid! It's, it's when you're in that situation, no matter what level, everyone's going, get rid! <laughs> get rid! So that's what you have to do. Put some power behind it then. And the, the other big thing in this game was um, <laughs> was when Bobby's Lamal saved Kenny Miller's header. That is, it's so weird when you watch that back. I had to I, watch it like five times. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Kenny Miller ran away celebrating. I think this is one of those games where the stats don't tell you everything, clearly. Of course. But so the, the possession is basically shared. There's 18 fouls to 16 fouls and three shots on target each. It's not great, but it's a good win for Hearts grinding it out, obviously. I mean, I'm saying all obvious things here, but. Well, you yeah, go. you had Levine come out and say he thinks they kind of edged it. But in the way he was saying it, it, you know, it felt like he was just saying it for the hell of it. Yeah, it it seemed like a very even game yeah. by what I've heard. But it does keep Hearts very much in that fight for Europe. They're equal with Kilmarnock and they're four points off Aberdeen, who's in third place. So it keeps them very much in the mix. And for Dundee, though... Well, yeah, three defeats in a row. I mean, and then they've got Celtic at Downs Park. Really bad. Yeah, I mean, considering league, how yeah. much they were picking it up again and they looked as though they were really kind of gaining momentum and now they've just completely stumbled again to the point now they're one point off St Mirren who are bottom Aki's also lost but there's still three points there to try and turn that round and get out of the playoff position I, I can see Dundee going down and I know we kind of for a few weeks talked about no they're going to rescue this they're going to pull it back but I can see them sitting down there with Dundee United again next season well I think end of the month is quite important when they play St Mirren oh it's a massive game that is the big one it's a real six pointer yeah a relegation six pointer uh, Stephen Naismith's out again Eight weeks he's out for this time. We've talked about Hearts trying to get him in the summer, but 
They've got to be worried about his fitness. Yeah, do they JJ, want do you have somewhere? better fitness? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Being no. an older man? No, an older man, no. <laughs> the thing is, this is also bad news for Scotland with two qualifiers good coming point. up. Good point. Yeah, really Only good a couple point. of weeks, of, weeks away. Um, and there's a few injuries just now across the kind of potential Scotland squad. Um, I think Cal McGregor, Charlie Mulgrew. I think there was one other one. I can't remember. Obviously, Craig Gordon being out yep. as well. All we need um, is Ryan Fraser. That's it. <laughs> that's <fine. laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's not great for, for like Nice. But then there's also the, the fact that if he's he's been linked to a move to America, their season's just started. If he goes over there, he's not going to get a break. When is he actually going to have time off to recuperate? If I mean, he's it's a, America. An old man. Well, he's uh, <laughs> he's in a rest. <laughs> he's needing some sort of recovery time. <laughs> in context, so if you're fit enough, you can do it. Um, in, uh, in the SPFL, I found this out today. Um, Graham Shinney has played 2,760 minutes this season, which is the most of any player. Yeah. He hasn't stopped running since the first whistle of the season. He's still running now. Yeah. Yeah. Closest to him is Kelly at Livingston, who's on 2747. Which he doesn't quite run as much. (laughs) (laughs) Hearts have got a Scottish Cup replay with Partick Thistle Tuesday. um, And the winners will play Inverness Cali Thistle in the semi final. So. It's pretty important for Hearts to finish their season on a high if they can get to a cup final. Do you think they will win the Scottish Cup? No. <laughs> uh, well, uh... we're talking about Stephen Naismith, who's probably their most important player. They've got Utrecht Piazu back, which is good for you know disrupting defences, but it's not like he's a Goal machine. No, they've got a great but, run to the final. Like, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm going to say. If so they can beat if, if they beat Partick Thistle, they've got Inverness Cali Thistle, right? So they're two very, very winnable games for Hearts. And then it's all what happens in the other semi final. If Celtic win it, no, I think Celtic will win the Scottish Cup. If Rangers win that tie against Aberdeen, then beat Celtic, I think that's a great final. Yeah. Rangers Hearts. Yeah. I don't know. I would probably hedge my bets on Rangers winning that. But if it was Aberdeen that got through, the Hearts can very much win that. I think I, th- I actually think Inverness will get to the final if they played Hearts. There's something about them. Yeah, abs- no, definitely. There's a bounce about it. I can't, I, I can't help but think it's because I saw them on Saturday. <laughs> um, but they're, ju- they're actually quite a big team, but they can play football. They can generally play football, and I think they would give Hearts a serious, a good contest, unless it's part of Thistle. I know Thistle did really well against Hearts in the first game at Fir Hill, and they did very well against Sunday United to win the, the death on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But I just have this inclination that Thistle are going to go to Tynecastle on Tuesday night, and Hearts are going to stomp a, like a 3 0 win over them. Really? Yeah. You don't see Scott McDonald getting a hat trick? No. Famous last words. We're going to play that back to me next week, aren't you? I look forward to that one. So it's all change in mid-table. Last week, well, I was away having a f- lovely time at Queen of the South. Uh, you were talking about Levy living in a league of one, um, which is quite interesting. Uh, but after a 3-1 victory over St Johnston on Saturday, Gary Holt's men are now just five points off sixth place. Four games to go until the split. Saints took the lead, um, but it's now eight league games without a win. So they're down at eighth. Uh, one point from the last 24. They're actually, out of the last eight games, they are bottom of the, a little mini table. It's their worst run in 34 years. Yeah. It's pretty grim. That's good numbers. I didn't realise it was that bad. They are, I mean, they're bottom of the form table, clearly. Yeah. They are, we've been saying all season, they've relied on being very difficult to break down and then they tend to hit teams and keep that lead, maybe add another one later on. Yeah. And here they took the lead early on and then the opposite happens but then they just they folded well didn't fold Livy are just quite physical and were able to to win the game St Johnson are fine and like we've been saying mostly all season they are really kind of middling out but at the moment the forum says they're doing worse than that and they're bottoming out and they need to find a way to address that and normally you try to try and stay tight and compact and grind the game out yeah it's it's hard when you look at the facts because you just need to take it back about two months and we were singing the praises of St Johnston, the huge run that they went on, breaking records for the most amount of wins that they've had in a, in a row um, at this level and stuff. But it's just, they're at, in the position that they should be in, really. Yeah. Um, but their biggest problem, what a surprise, is goals. So we spoke about Tony Watt. You know, he's only got three goals in the Premiership this season. That's the same as Joe Shaughnessy, the centre-half and captain. Yes, very disappointing for the striker. Yeah, and you know their top goal scorer is Matty Kennedy with five. So they've got a real problem getting up the pitch and finishing teams off. Yeah, and if you've got a hot girlfriend who lives in America, 
<laughs> well, maybe you'd want to leave. <laughs> yeah, so this was a funny one, wasn't it? Tommy Wright says that their backup goalkeeper, Mark Hurst, um, has went to America to be with his girlfriend. <laughs> so, he's, club. I, so he's lo- he's left the he's club. In, he's still under contract. So that so St Johnson are still paying. I'd imagine probably not. They're probably suspended. I don't know for certain. Um, I've not phoned the club to find out. But the uh, you do more than just suspend your pay. Yeah. I mean, if I just walked out of my job, I would expect more than just oh, we're just going to pause that. Didn't you move to London to get away from your boyfriend, Laura? (laughs) (laughs) Shh, listen. (laughs) But what do they? I mean, what what do they do? You better come back here. No. No, but if, uh, okay. if, but if you um, if you well, this is a daft comparison, but if you walk out in your phone contract, it's a contract. You don't just walk out in it. They'll they'll expect you to pay the difference. They're going to send, gonna send the politics. men round to make him play. You're going to play via Skype. But you will you be out of pocket as a result of it. You can't just you can't just walk yeah. out of a contract. Well, he's probably like, ah, oh, well, they'll probably just pay up my contract, or we'll just terminate it mutually, and then you'll get a job, either coaching or playing for a team in MLS. It's Two months before the end of the season. Well, maybe he loves the women. Well, I would like to think that on his future um, references, there's going to be a lack of loyalty in Big Cat. Do you know what letters. everyone's going to be paying attention to now, though? We're all interested in Mark Hurst's relationship now and if it's going to last. <laughs> because... He's basically going to end up having, you know, what is it, those like documentaries where they follow his life in America and it'll just be perfect sell. Excellent Johnston goalkeeper goes to America to start a new life with his girlfriend. What does his girlfriend do? I don't know, Andrew. It's goalkeeper? not my business. <laughs> Why, <laughs> did Red Bull? Why did she not want to <laughs> come to Perth? <laughs> yeah, the big problem with it is, and I'm all for love, and I think it's fantastic. Football's more important than love. And uh, Xander Clark is oh, injured. Really? Cammy Bell is in goal, and so they now have a pair of 17-year-olds as backup. I don't think that's fair. They can play two at once. But like <laughs> you said, uh, 17-year-olds should be in the first team. So that's a good thing. Right says, Hurst has let the club and his teammates down. It has. But hard. I mean... He's got absolutely no loyalty. No, he's got, he's got loyalty football. for his girlfriend. Exactly. And he's a goalkeeper, but she's a real keeper. Oh! <laughs> Christ almighty. Let's move on quickly. St Mirren take on Kilmarnock in a few hours. Um, so we're recording this well before. If the buddies win or draw, then it's just three points between the bottom three. My God. It's, quite, it's, it is it's a crazy world. quite tasty down there. Yeah, I think Dundee have it in them to avoid relegation. I think Hamilton are going to go get drawn into it. It'll be interesting. St Mirren, I don't think, have enough. Well, St Mirren beat Livingston last time out. Yeah, that's all kind of and, random games, those. Yeah. And Oren Kearney gave like his team um, like a couple of extra days off to just enjoy it. And he was saying, uh, I read an article, that it was it was something that his first manager did. He used to play for Linfield. And um, he's, his manager then used to... If they'd not won a game for ages and then won a game, they'd get a few extra days off because pressure, because yeah. life is more important than football. That's the way to do it. It's relieving the pressure because if you're constantly thinking about it, you're scared of making mistakes and you can't play your game properly if you're playing in fear. Well, let's see if it pays off. Kilmarnock 5, St Mirren no. <laughs> <laughs> That's it from us. We'll be back next Monday as Steve Clark goes back to Ibrox. Hopefully this time we'll be talking about just the football. You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Mm-hmm.